reading's taken from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, Lord, as we uh, reflect on what you're saying today, just give us ears to hear and uh, a willingness to be obedient. Amen. So uh, you'll be glad to hear I've got power. Uh, not power. This is my PowerPoint today. I'm going to use that in a minute. Uh, does anybody like westerns? <laughs> About two people, um, three people, four people. Um, westerns are those films, and you, and you sometimes see like a baddie, and uh, you might see a poster. Uh, in the Western, where it says, wanted, dead or alive, uh, ransom offered. Well, uh, I want to say today that you are wanted, but not dead or alive. You're wanted alive, and the ransom's been paid. My favourite film, probably, is actually a Western. I'm not a big Western fan, but my favourite film is probably a Western it's called Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, it's one of those spaghetti westerns, and uh, it's very slow moving. Um, Tanya was bored to tears um, watching it, but um, it's a beautiful film. Uh, and yet, um, you know, there, are a lot, there is a lot of death <laughs> in it. I'm not really going to sell it to you, but people die in it. And, um, and then some of the people in that film who are alive, like there's a Charles Bronson character, and he, he, he's, uh, he's alive, but he's, he's like walking dead, he's kind of a, he's, yeah, dead man walking, he's, uh, he's kind of um, alive, but not really alive. Uh, and in this passage, Paul, as he talks to this group of Christians, these, this church, he says, 
As for you, you were dead. Now, they had a pulse. They were walking around in their life. But he says, you were dead. So I'm going to draw um, a dead person. But they're kind of... Here we go. Um, there they are. Dead man walking. You were dead. But how were you dead if you were... Um, physically alive. Well, Paul describes three things that influenced your life that meant that you were dead. And uh, these three things are this. The first thing is the world. You were influenced by the ways of the world. You know, Louis Armstrong sang, it's a wonderful world, right? It is a wonderful world. But the ways of the world are not always wonderful. The ways of the world so often revolve around greed and money and violence and putting me first. The ways of the world are not always wonderful. And Paul says, you, you, you were dead in your sins and transgressions. Why? Because you followed the ways of the world. You just followed the crowd. You just did what everyone else did. You followed the ways of the world. The second thing that was uh, influencing you uh, was the devil. You were subject to the devil. Uh, he describes the devil in a strange way in this passage. He describes the devil as the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And also, he describes him as the spirit working among those who are disobedient. He's talking about the devil. Now, we've got a big God and a little devil, but he is still powerful. He's the ruler of the kingdom of the air. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, the devil was tempting him and said, I will give you all these kingdoms. Well, the devil couldn't have done that if he didn't have them to give. The devil does have power, and he's described here as the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And Paul says you were dead. Why? Because you were influenced by the devil. You were kind of being uh, spoken to by the devil. He was at work in your life. And the final thing uh, is what Paul calls the flesh. Now, flesh is useful, right, <laughs> physically, but when he says flesh, he doesn't mean our physical flesh. He's talking about our sinful desires. Uh, you were gratifying the cravings of your flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So because of these three things, you were essentially dead, he says. Sometimes uh, we, we, we sometimes blame everything on the devil. You know, say, oh, it's the devil's fault. Uh, I remember a hip-hop artist called Paris, and he came out with an album saying, the devil made me do it. Why did the devil make you do it? <laughs> no, the devil didn't make you do it. Uh, you chose to do it. Sometimes we blame the devil when actually it's our own flesh, it's our own sinful desires. Um, the ways of the world, we can kind of blindly follow them, but actually we need to think, hang on, is this from God or is this not? So you were dead, Paul says. And as a result, you were, and this sounds harsh, but you were by nature deserving of wrath. Not deserving of love, but deserving of wrath. This was your state previously. But then in, in verse 4, Paul says, But God. But God. But God stepped in. Now, Paul says, you were dead. Now, last week we thought about how Jesus was dead. He was dead 
in the grave. He was wrapped in his grave clothes. His pulse had stopped. Um, he'd stopped breathing. He was physically dead, but he was also spiritually dead. He gave himself over to death completely. He'd taken the sins of the world upon him. He was laid in the grave. The stone was rolled in front, and Jesus was dead. And Jesus could not raise himself. He had to be raised by the Spirit of the Father. And in the same way, if we were dead, we couldn't raise ourselves. But the Spirit of the Father raises us. And Paul says, but God made you alive, raised you in Christ. So what happens, he says, to this church, uh, in Ephesus, but also to us too, is God raised you up. You know that song, you raised me up? Well, God raised us up. So that now, you're no longer dead, but you are alive. And uh, you're in heaven. I'm going to put a cloud, because you know, we all know that heaven is sitting on a cloud, right? <laughs> God raised you up. You, God has been made you alive in Christ Jesus, and this is where you are now. And not only have you been made alive, but you are now seated in heaven with Christ. Past tense, you've been seated already. This is who you are and this is where you are already. At the moment, we're thinking about who we are. Do you know who you are? Well, if you're in Christ, this is where you are already. Some of you really do have your head in the clouds. So, you know all about this. I'm joking. How has this happened? How has this happened? This has happened by one word. Grace. Right? How do you get from here to here? You get to here from here, from here to here by grace. It says twice in this passage, by grace you've been saved. Grace is God's unmerited favour. Don't deserve it. He gives it anyway. And he gives it anyway, why? Because he loves us. We're not lovable. When we're in this state, we weren't particularly lovable. But God loves us, and so gives us, pours out his grace upon us. He does it because he's rich in mercy. Loves you so much. And Paul hammers it home, saying that it's by grace you've been saved, not by works. You can't get from here to here by works. You can't earn your way to heaven. It's all grace. Not by works so that no one can boast. And this is who you are now. You are dwelling with Christ. Why does he do it? So that he can show the incomparable riches of his grace through his kindness expressed to us in Christ. He's done it because he's a kind God. Now you might say to me, am I in heaven already? I don't feel like it. <laughs> you might say, I feel kind of still somewhat affected by the world the devil and the flesh. I'm still tempted by the devil. I'm still very much aware of the ways of the world and my flesh sometimes trips me up in my life. This doesn't really, is this really my reality? If you're struggling with, for example, temptation, one top tip I can tell you is this. Remind yourself that this is where you are now. 
I'm not here anymore. I actually have a, another home. You know, some people, they have parents from two different countries. They have dual citizenship. So they might have, you know, a French passport. They might have a, a UK passport, British passport. Well, you've got dual citizenship. Yes, you still live here. But your citizenship is also now in heaven through Christ. Now, how do you access this grace? Through faith. All you've got to do is believe in him. You can't work your way there. You've just got to believe. You've got a citizenship in heaven. And you've been given the passport. It's yours. Now, this, we don't know how much longer we got. Tracy, how much longer have you got? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how much longer you've got on this earth, right? 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. More. Who knows? We just don't know. But how long is this for? It's forever, right? This is forever. You might think, Dan, I I'm struggling to believe this. This doesn't seem real. You're rubbish. Flip chart and you can't draw. This doesn't seem real. Well, it says it in here. It is real. You already have been raised in Christ. And you are seated. That means you've got a chair to sit down on. You know, when you sit down, you can feel welcome. You know, you come into someone's house, they say, take a seat. They mean you can stay. If, you, if, you, if you're not welcome to take a seat, you know, don't you? you know, don't come in. Well, God said, come in and take a seat. You are seated in what Paul calls the heavenlies already. Now, what this means is that if you're struggling with all this, you actually can remind yourself who you are and you can kind of look down on it. That thing that was totally bogging you down, you can kind of look down and say, oh, <laughs> that ain't such a big deal after all. You know, Daph had us praying for the world, and rightly so. But I don't know about you, but I find that we are so saturated with the world's problems these days through, right, 24-7 news. I wonder, you, you know, you pick up your smartphone in the morning, you find some terrible thing has happened. By the time tea time comes, something worse has happened, right? Can you process all this? There's, oh my goodness, something else. Now, it, I'm not saying we shouldn't find out about what's going on in the world. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about what's going on in the world. But I just wonder whether it's just a bit too much. We get a bit submerged with all the world's problems. What do you hear about in the news? You don't hear about all the good stuff. You hear about all the bad stuff. There is a lot of good stuff happening in our world. It is a wonderful world. But we hear about the bad stuff, and it can just pile on top of us. What can happen? There's something can go on with us. We just feel overwhelmed by the world's problems. And that's before we got out the door. What do we need to do? We need to remind us that this is where we are, really. Aren't we told to be humble, you know? Humble and lowly. And if I'm up here, I'm looking down on everybody. <laughs> well, this is, it's not about being arrogant and looking down on people. It's about having perspective. There's perspective of heaven. Sometimes people say of people of faith, so, oh, well, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly use. Ah, you know, oh, all you talk about is heaven, you just, no earthly use. Actually, the opposite is true. 
If you're heavenly minded, you're then able to bring heaven to earth. Amen. Thank you. You're able to change earth because it's heaven that changes earth. What did Jesus teach us to pray? On earth, as in heaven. And how can we pray that? We can become the answer to our prayers by saying, well, this is where I am already. By grace, you've been saved. You don't look down on people. You're saved by grace. You know, I love Northumberland. And there was, in Bambra, there was a, uh, there's a museum dedicated to a lady called Grace Darling. You've been there? Yeah? And this very, very brave woman, I can't remember exactly, was it 1800s or maybe before that, she, there were some fishermen out on uh, their boat fishing, got caught in a terrible, terrible storm, and Grace Darling rode out. And she saved these people. Put herself, you know, obviously in huge danger, but saved these people. Hugely heroic. I can't remember all the details, but these people were saved by grace. <laughs> they were saved by Grace Darling. Amazing, courageous woman. Well, guess what? You are saved by grace. And he's the darling of heaven. He's your saviour. When Christians keep struggling with the world, the flesh, and the devil, maybe we've forgotten who we really are. It's not who I am anymore. Why am I still doing it? It's not who me. It's not who I am. This does not have power over me like it maybe used to. Do you know, I want to say this. It, it's pretty blunt. Paul starts this passage by saying, you were dead. I just want to say, we don't want to go around in our world saying to people, you are dead. <laughs> it's not to be advised. Why? Because even Paul, in fact, especially Paul, what he did when he went and brought the gospel to people, he met people where they were at. Daff was mentioning Ben Francis, who came to be with us on Friday lunchtime. Remarkable. And he talked about how in India, he, got, he lived in Calcutta, and he would get on his motorbike with his guitar on his back, and he'd go into villages, he's playing the guitar, singing about Jesus. And then he'd start playing with um, games with the children, draw a crowd, and then start telling stories. And what was he doing? He was meeting people where they're at. He wasn't saying, oh, come to my big church in Calcutta. No, no, no. I'm going to go where people are. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. He went to people where they were. When he was in Athens, he saw a statue to the unknown God. He said, oh, I'll start with that. I'll start talking about the unknown God. Let me tell you about this unknown God. He met people where they're at. I don't think his opening gambit was, you are dead. But now he's talking to the church. He says, well, actually, this was your identity without Christ. You might not have been aware of it, but this was. Do you know, when I became a Christian at the age of 20, it felt like the light had been turned on. I didn't know it wasn't on. You know, when you're reading in the dark and you think, oh, I can't read this book. But yeah. Then someone switches to, oh, thank you. You didn't know that there was life in Christ. But there is. It is by grace you have been saved. 
not by works so that no one could boast. It's not our works. But, the end of this passage, we're told we are God's handiwork. We're his best uh, artifact. <laughs> we're his best thing in creation. You are his best thing in creation. And what were you made for? You were created in Christ Jesus. Made alive in Christ Jesus. For what purpose? Paul says here, to do good works. But not my good works. The good works that God has prepared for us in advance for us to do. And I want to say, so key just to remind yourself who you are. And if you walk in that reality of knowing that this is who I am and this is where I am, those good works that God has prepared in advance for you will just, oh, here we are. I found it. <laughs> now I know what God's calling me to do. Didn't have to work it all out by myself after all. I was just being who God is calling me to be. God has called you, each one of us, to do good works for his name, for his glory. He's prepared it all in advance. That is the reality he's in calling us to step into today. Be different for different people. Your places of work, your neighborhood, your family. Doesn't really matter what those good works look like. Be different for different people. But it's what God has prepared for you. So let's align ourselves with the reality of what God says about us today, of who God says we are. God has made you alive in Christ. Let's pray. Just acknowledge that the same power to raise Jesus from the dead is at work among us. The power that defeats death. The power of Holy Spirit. And Lord, today we are in this place where we're at by grace. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We're hungry for you to take all the glory. We're hungry, Lord, for life to be the live reality, not just for us, but for those whom we know and love. Oh, God. This is life and death. This is important. This matters. And that's why you poured out your great mercy and love. Because this matters. Lord, we're not playing games anymore. This matters. Hallelujah.
Oh, Jesus, we give you all the praise today because we're alive in you. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah. We're going to sing in a moment, but I want to encourage you just to worship. Just to worship. Because through your faith in Christ, you are already in heaven. You're already seated with him. Praise you, Lord. Lift up your hearts to the Lord. You say, who am I? I'm nothing. Yes. <laughs> you might feel you're the worst of the worst. But when you were dead in your sins and transgressions, Christ made you alive. Hallelujah. Let's stand. We're going to sing. Who am I? <laughs>